Well, go ahead and open your Bibles with me to Paul's letter to the Galatians. And as you do, I'm going to just take a moment and express how much I miss gathering together and, and worshiping with you. I uh, long for the day when we can do so again. But for now, we we believe we, we love one another and our, our neighbors best by remaining separated, as difficult as it may be. This isn't out of a lack of faith or of fear or of disobedience to the Lord. It is an act of love. So until we're able to gather again, we'll, we'll continue to pray together online, gather uh, online as small groups as, as we're able, and, and put forth sermons, articles, and videos to, to feed and encourage one another in this season as best as we possibly can. But church, know you are, are deeply, deeply loved and missed. And with that, let, let's pray together and then let's dive into God's word to, together. Oh Lord, as we prepare to open your word, help us to hear clearly what you'd have us to hear today. Not passively, but actively listening and looking to, to feast off your word as sustenance to sustain us and grow us in the days ahead. Help us to see how what we're studying today applies to our life in this day and in every day. And let us be intentional in, in the week ahead to applying what you teach us in this moment. Let what we hear and see from your word penetrate both mind and heart and continue to, to grow us in, into faithful followers of Christ, regardless of what our circumstances may be. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, picking up in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So churches, we've seen throughout our time in Galatians. The law says do, as do most religions. Do these things in order to be right with God. But as we've studied already, doing anything to earn a right standing before God stands in direct opposition to Christ and to the gospel. Why? Because Christ doesn't say do. He says done. 
He did it all. He lived the life that we were intended to live, a life of complete obedience to the law. He died the death we deserve to die, substituting his, his life for ours by, by paying our deserved penalty. He rose victoriously from the grave, proving and declaring once and for all that neither sin nor death have any victory over we who are in Christ. And so what Paul is telling the Galatians and us is how this victory is received. Received how? Exclusively through faith in Christ. But this brings us to our text today and the question, how do we grow in our faith after coming to faith in Christ? So there's, there's faith of a mustard seed, faith like needed for salvation, trusting in Jesus as our only hope in life and in death. But how do we continue to grow in faith throughout the rest of our faith journey, especially as we, we look at our present circumstance? How do we in this season of uncertainty to continue, continue to grow in, in our faith? Well, that's what we want to look at this morning, starting with, number one, obey the command. Or we could call this uh, a strongly urged instruction, but it's a command nonetheless, which we've received, uh, which we've received a lot of in recent weeks, haven't we? Like wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, practice social distancing, stay home, don't panic. The list could go on. But they're commands, and they're commands that are given for a purpose of, of protecting both ourselves and those around us from the coronavirus, right? Well, that's what we have in verse 16 as well. But here, here it's a command to protect ourselves from a, a virus of another sort. The virus of sin that leads to death. This command, this instruction of walking by the Spirit tells believers how we're to, to grow in the faith and not succumb to the sinful desires of our fleshly nature. The command, walk by the Spirit. Do this... That is, walk by the Spirit, and then again, verse 16, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And here's why this is so important. Point number two, trust the threat assessment. The threat assessment is, is the evidence that's put forth. The evidence that's put forth to determine the credibility and the seriousness of, of any potential threat, right? As, as well as the, the probability of that threat becoming a, a reality. It's what we see every day when we turn on the news, right? Like scroll through Facebook, Twitter, etc. Any of these things. A, a constant bombardment of threat assessments. Some being offered by credible medical and economic professionals. Uh, others being offered by those with political or personal agendas. And others by some dude in his mom's basement with a computer and a web address leaving a lot of people not knowing what, what to believe. Like, what do we believe? What are we not to believe? And thus, lots of confusion. Well, that's in a sense where the Galatians find themselves as well. Hearing one thing from the false teachers that actually sounds credible. Well, you've got to have faith in Jesus. Okay, yeah, Paul's saying that too. But they're saying you also got to practice the Jewish law. You have to be circumcised. You have to follow dietary laws. Sound, sounds credible. Sounds legit. But then obviously Paul's saying something different, that salvation is through faith in Christ alone, not by works. So they're trying to figure out what, what to believe. Confusion and division uh, here being the tool of the enemy. But here's the thing about a threat assessment. 
We're not looking for opinion. We're not looking for conjecture. Or or something that maybe even sounds good to our way of thinking. What we want is the truth. We want the reality of the situation. What is the, the seriousness of the threat? And what must we do to fight that threat? And that's what we have here in verse 17 through the the first part of verse 21. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Paul telling us here of of a spiritual battle that is raging inside of every believer. It's our flesh, our, our sin nature, in a constant battle with the Spirit living within us, our spiritual nature. The flesh and the Spirit standing in complete and direct opposition to one another. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, as the text says, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They're like oil and water. They're they're opposed to one another. They're never going to be friends. They're never going to make peace, never reconcile, constantly at war. And the question is, Why? Why is the Spirit so strongly opposed to the flesh? The answer? Because the flesh, our sin nature, is the threat. Sin is the threat. Sin is the virus that only has one aim. To kill every single person it infects. To deceive and to kill. And here's the thing. We're all infected. Every single person on the planet is born infected with sin. And it doesn't take long to to see the symptoms play out. But when we come to faith in Christ, we're given the Holy Spirit. Now, I I do want to be careful here. I want to be careful with, with... my ongoing illustration. I, I don't want it in any way to be irreverent at all. And yes, there are faults with every illustration, but, but think of the Holy Spirit as our vaccine against the flesh. Every believer receives the Holy Spirit in, in full the moment they are born again, the moment they come to faith in Christ. And it's the Spirit living within us that makes it possible to fight against our flesh. But again, why the battle? Why the opposition? Well, last part of verse 17. To keep you, to keep me, to keep us from doing the things that you want to do. And what are the things you want to do? Well, you want to do what your flesh desires. We all do. And the Spirit living within us says no. It's the Spirit who is guiding us in conjunction and unison with God's Word on how to live. Thus the reason for verse 18. If if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You don't don't have to do anything to be right with God apart from faith in Christ. Praise God for that. And then it goes on to say in verse 19, the, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the, and things like these. The things like these that it states right there at the end, meaning the list could go on and on and on. This isn't a full comprehensive list. These are, are symptoms of the sin virus. 
the various ways sin manifests itself in our lives. And notice, they're not all actions. Some of them are desires stemming from our sinful hearts. But, but they're actions and desires where our flesh naturally gravitates. So when, when you take a situation like we're in at present, it only makes that fleshly gravitational pull stronger, doesn't it? Why? Because we're looking for answers. We're looking for hope. We're looking for comfort. And where does the flesh tempt us to turn for these things? It tempts us to turn inward. It tempts us to, to be our own source of comfort. It tempts us to be our own saviors. It tempts some to turn to an image on the screen. Six feet rule may prevent some forms of sexual immorality but I guarantee the use of pornography in this season has skyrocketed. The season is also going to reveal a lot of people's idols. This applies to all of us. Think about it. What, what is it that we, we value and treasure more than God? We want to say nothing, but, but, but what are those things that are grasping for, for that stronghold? See, the problem isn't that our hearts always desire bad things. It's kind of what we want to equate it to. But it's not that our hearts always desire bad things, but that our hearts over-desire good things. And we desire good things in a wrong way, which reveals how our flesh longs for the created. Well, we need to be reminded that the Spirit longs for the Creator. See, a season such as this reveals a lot about what we desire and who we trust. Yes, we want answers. And there's nothing wrong with expecting those in leadership to provide certain answers and solutions. There's nothing wrong with taking steps to protect and provide for and provide for your family. These are wise and needed things. God's given us a brain for, for a reason. But we don't have to, to look far. It may only be in a mirror to see the evidence of idolatry, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalries, dissension, envy, and things like these in our life. Suffering and uncertainty has a, has a powerful way of, of revealing who we are when no one's looking. So church, I, I want this to end just as much as the next person. I want for, for along for the day, I want the day to come when, when we're able to gather together in, in person. And, I, and I'm praying for, for a cure, and I'm praising God for the medical and scientific professionals who are working tirelessly to make it happen. But what if it takes longer than we like? What if it never happens? Now, I believe it will, but what if it doesn't? What if the curve takes a lot longer to flatten? Again, not, not something any of us wants. But what if? See, there's nowhere in Scripture where we're promised good health in a vibrant economic climate. Those who preach and teach such things are, are false teachers. That, that's the product of the American dream, not the promises we have in Christ which is why our circumstances, whether good or bad, never give us an excuse to turn to our flesh for comfort and salvation. And if we do, there, there's a warning to be listened to. There's a warning to be heeded. 
So point number three, heed the warning. So look at the second part of verse 21. I've warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a strong warning from the apostle. If you make living in the flesh a practice of your life, you shall have no confidence that you are a child of God. Very strong warning. This doesn't mean that if you sin, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Well, Scripture tells us very clearly that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And anyone who says that they haven't is a liar. But a Christian does not make the acts of the flesh the practice of their life. It's not the pattern of their life. We can't. It's impossible. Why? Because we have the Spirit who is continually raging war on the flesh. We have the vaccine which is the sign that we've been cured from the eternal effects of the sin virus. Which points us to point number four, embrace the cure. So while every person is born infected with the sin virus, and while every person deserves to die, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How? Because we've been crucified with Christ. Not by works, but the work of Christ. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, oh, church, now we're talking. While our flesh longs for the created, the, the spirit living in us, because of the work of Christ, longs for the creator. So let me ask you, are you longing for your creator right now? See, while, while a believer may, may give in to the flesh for a season, he or she will not be content to remain there. That's not what we desire most. Maybe for a season, but not satisfying. That's not where we find our lasting satisfaction. Why? Because we are a child of God. Because we have been given the Spirit. And the Spirit has victory over the flesh. Our lasting satisfaction is found in Christ. And here's the evidence of that. Number five, provide the evidence. Here's the evidence that you are true, truly a child of God. It's what scripture refers to as the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit standing in stark contrast to the works of the flesh. So verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. But here's the thing about fruit. It doesn't grow overnight, does it? It takes time to grow into fully ripened, good, edible fruit. It takes watering, sunlight, nutrition, time. 
But given these things, fruit will come forth. An apple tree will produce apples. A grapevine will produce grapes. But it's a process. Same applies to the fruit of the Spirit in the life of believers. We don't come to faith and immediately produce all the fruits of the Spirit in a strong and visible sense. Any more than a baby is born with the ability to run or sing or or read. We possess these fruits, but it's a process of, of growing in them. And what suffering and trials do is they work like a pressure cooker of spiritual growth. The Lord using our circumstances to to grow the fruits of the Spirit in in the life of of believers. Meaning Christians will grow. So let's let's take a look at each of these fruits in, in light of our present circumstance. How might a pandemic be used to grow us in Christ? Something none of us ever thought about until just a few weeks ago, right? But now how might this pandemic be used to grow us in Christ? Let's look at the first, love. Love is the the highest of all Christian virtues. We love God. We love people. The Greek word used here for love is agape. Agape love is a a selfless, sacrificial love that enables us to serve one another, even in the midst of a pandemic. But what does a pandemic show us? What does it reveal about us? Well, how much room we still have to grow in our love for God and for one another. It shows us how selfish we really are, how selfish we can be, how how much we, we actually struggle with real sacrifice. And yet it reminds us that there is no greater love than the one who lays down his life for another. It reminds us of the love Christ, the love of Christ that has been lavished upon us. Oh, church, may, may the Lord use this season to grow our love for him and for one another. Now we look at joy. And this joy isn't about happiness and contentment, at least not in how we typically equate it. It's not dependent upon our circumstances. It's not a response to a temporary pleasure. It's, it's joy that's based on our relationship with Christ, our standing in Christ. It's, yes, I have Christ. Yes, I have been cured from the virus of sin. Mountains may be crumbling all around, pandemic raging all around, but there is joy to be found in Christ. And it's this joy that brings about peace. And peace is different than joy, but it doesn't exist without joy. We have peace with God through Jesus. We know mentally that we're no longer an enemy of God, but rather a child of God. It's this knowledge that, that brings peace to our weary souls. No matter what may come or, or what we face, our standing before God's not going to change. I'm reminded of, of the opening lyrics to a, a new song called Christ Our Glory. I shared it on my Facebook page a, a few days ago, but it says, Our rest is in heaven. Our rest is not here. Then why should we tremble when trials draw near? Be still and remember that the worst that can come but shortens our journey and hastens us home. 
Oh, church, what a pandemic reminds us of is that peace will never be found in the flesh, but in the Prince of Peace. Next, we see patience. It's one of the scariest things to pray for, isn't it? I prayed for this once before a day of golf on, on, on the course. Lord, teach me to be patient. I sliced the ball off the very first tee into the clubhouse. Patience is one of the hardest lessons to learn. In our flesh, we're not patient people. A pandemic doesn't help. But patience is long-suffering in the midst of suffering. It's the ability to persevere in the faith in the midst of adversity. To not lose our joy or our peace regardless of our circumstance. Patiently following Christ wherever he may lead. Then we have kindness. And this is more than just a simple act of kindness. Anyone can be kind. But the kindness spoken of here is more of an extension of God's grace to those around us. We who have received God's kindness, desiring to extend kindness to others. So be thinking about how you can grow in kindness during this season. Practice kindness in this season. And then remember, kindness is closely connected to goodness, which is the testimony of one's moral character. How we, who we are when no one's looking. One's sanctification seen in, in practice. As we're good in a godly sense and generous with others. Then there is faithfulness. This is faithfulness to God and to one another. Not walking away when things get difficult. But proving to be reliable, loyal, dependable in every circumstance. And then there's gentleness. Daily frustrations are, are handled with, with a sweet and tempered spirit. This is the opposite of fleshly anger. But now by this point in our pandemic journey, our, our gentleness with one another in our homes is being put to the test, isn't it? Parents, children, that's why gentleness is, is so often described as power under control. See, even the strongest and most powerful grow in their ability to respond with gentleness like Jesus. Let us not be the one who, who crushes the bruised reed. And then lastly, self-control, which is the fruit that helps prevent one from indulging in the flesh acting in the flesh, responding in the flesh. From just a quick look at social media, more self-control is, is definitely needed. Need to ask, is, is what I'm posting, is, is what I'm posting helping to encourage or to divide? Is my post, is my tweet, is what I'm saying helping the situation or providing me an avenue to vent my opinion? What am I accomplishing through my words of frustration? Because we who are in Christ are, are not ruled by our passions, but rather we're a people who must continually learn to practice restraint and resist temptation, whatever it may be. Church, it's easy to, to see how the fruits of the Spirit stand in opposition to the flesh. But if you're in Christ, you have the Spirit 
And, and this fruit will grow in your life. So as hard as it may be, thank the Lord for this season and what he's teaching you. I know that's difficult in a season of, of trial, but give God thanks for teaching you and growing you in this season, recognizing that this too is for your good. And then lastly, number six, continue to, to walk by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The focus here being to, to live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Ever play follow the leader? Same thing. But instead, follow the Spirit as He leads you in conjunction with God's Word. Now the question you're likely asking is how? So here are a few things of or how we can follow the Spirit and grow in the fruits of the Spirit during a pandemic or any time in our life for that matter. But one, make consistent time to spend studying God's Word. I don't think I've ever heard more people say how they're bored or how they, they lack uh, uh, anything to do in this season. I don't know who the, where the, what they have going on, but hey, here's what you can be doing with your time. This means you can't read a, a verse a day or, or study once a week and expect to see significant growth. When we say we're going to study God's Word, it means you, you can't just read a verse a day or, or study once a week and, and then expect to see significant growth. That, that's like feeding a plant once a week with a few drops of water, water or saying, okay, kids, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one meal a week. Um, here's just a little, little snack for, to get you through the day. We have to make time to study and feast on God's word, which means you may need to, to, to take time to learn how to do this. We're happy to help teach you. To make prayer a consistent part of your life. And in doing so, don't treat it like a wish list. We're not, we're not just coming before God with our desires. We're, we're crying out to him with our questions. Like placing our concerns before him. Lord, I don't understand. But, and this is a very important but, at the same time praising him for who he is. Lord, I don't understand. But I trust your, your plans are better than my plans because your word says so. I trust this is this is you working for my good because your words say so. And let these 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 prayer times be a natural part of your life and your day. Going for a walk during your Bible reading, setting aside time in the morning, evening, whenever, like in the shower, just pray. Three, make time to read good books. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us there is nothing new under the sun. And it's true. We're not the first to live through a pandemic. They've happened for centuries. We're not the first to ask difficult questions. Let's read those who have gone before us and gain comfort and insight and knowledge from what the Lord has taught them. We'll be putting out some recommendations in, in the, the coming days. Number four, make, make time to talk with and encourage fellow believers. And in the process, you'll, you'll find yourself being encouraged as well. But specifically, take time to encourage one another in Christ. 
Talk about the joy and peace that you have in Christ. The person you're, you're, you're talking to across the road like via FaceTime or Facebook or whatever may look at you crazy when you express joy and peace and hope in this season. Like, what are you talking about? But then that just might give you the opportunity to point them to Jesus. What better way to love your neighbor than to point them to Christ in the middle of a pandemic? Number five, make time to step away from the news and social media. You already know what it's going to say. Don't let that be your intake all day long. Honestly, if we're spending more time looking at those things than we are in spending in God's word and spending time in prayer and enjoying uninterrupted time with our families, there's a problem. It's revealing a lot about our flesh and where we're looking for answers. So set time limits. Get the information you need and then stop looking at it. Turn it off. And again, when it comes to social media, don't add to the problem. Church, I love you. I miss you. Yes, I have have confidence because of God's word that this season is, is for our good and in his glory. May we look back like years from now and see these days as the catalyst for spiritual growth like we've never seen in the church before. May a pandemic be used to, to bring a revival within the church that leads to another great awakening. Oh, would that be the case? Huh. Let that be our prayer, church. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you are our shepherd. And we ask you to care for your sheep. Be our source of comfort. Use this season to grow us. And may you receive all glory. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.